Welcome back to the New York Baseball Podcast. My name is Ari. I'm sitting alongside virtually my co-host, Noah. Noah, how's it going? Going well, and I'm very excited about our special guest today. Indeed. We haven't done an uh, interview in a long time, and what a way to get back in the grind. Today, we are interviewing MLB utility player John Birdie. He's a former Blue Jay, and now he's a Miami Marlin, and of course, he beats up my Mets a lot. John, how are you? <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. So you have an interesting story. So we, we were doing some research on you um, before we had the interview. And we noticed that in 2008, you were drafted 36th round by Toronto. And then in the eight, and then in 2011, you were drafted in the 18th round by the athletics. And then you went all the way to the major leagues after, of course, like the minor leagues, but you basically went from 36th round to the major leagues where you are now. How did you do it? Well- <laughs> Actually, I was drafted in the 36th round uh, by the A's in 2008 out of high school, decided to go to college instead, um, and then was drafted by the Blue Jays uh, in 2011. And honestly, uh, if I had it uh, the way I had planned out in my head, I would have been to the big leagues at a lot younger age. But, you know, everyone has, in life has their own journey, and mine took me uh, on quite the ride up until 2018 when I finally made it to the big leagues with uh, with the Blue Jays. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to sign here with Miami uh, before the 2019 season and um, kind of been able to really establish myself in the big leagues after that. I flipped the uh, teams around my bad, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's an amazing story though, going from all the way in the third, sixth round and then all the hoops you went through and to make it to the majors. Um, so that, that is awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So just yeah. Uh, moving on. Yeah. I know we noticed you played you know, before making it to the majors, you had a few seasons in the minor leagues. So a lot of our viewers ask kind of, can you explain kind of how was it playing in the minor leagues and how is it different than obviously like the accommodations and just the lifestyle versus the major? Yeah. Leagues? Oh yeah. It's a, it's a big difference. And you kind of don't really realize how big of a difference it is until you finally do make it to the big leagues, just with the travel amenities, the hotels you stay at, the, the road trips, the way they are, the, the stadiums that you play in, um, in the big leagues compared to the minor leagues. And, I enjoyed my time in the minor leagues. I made a lot of good friends, uh, worked with a lot of great coaches. Um, but obviously the goal is to, is to be in the big leagues and, and play against the best players in the world and uh, to do that for as long as possible. Were there any coaches that uh, in the minor leagues that you still remember today that were like very impactful on you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, I, I'm going to forget a, a few of them because there's just so many of them, um, starting with uh, uh, Mike Mordecai, who was uh, former Miami Marlin himself. He was my uh, first infield coach with the Blue Jays. And uh, when I got drafted, I was pretty rough defensively, um, had the athleticism, but kind of the fundamentals weren't weren't there as much. So spent a bunch of time with him. Um, Stubby Clapp was my hitting coach for a few years. He's now the first base coach with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, loved, loved working with him. Uh, Bobby Meacham, actually a former Yankee, uh, was my manager for three or four years in the minor league. So learned a lot from him, especially on the base running side of things. And uh, defensively and then um currently uh my last hitting coach with the blue jays was hunter mentz um he's now i believe the coordinator for the blue jays the minor league hitting coordinator um really helped me develop those last few parts of my swing that i felt like i needed to to have so that that adjustment period getting into the big leagues was was a little more smooth and was able to find some success with it we were talking to John Birdie from the Miami Marlins. And John, I have to ask this question because I know a, a key, um, a, a very interesting moment when I was watching the 2020 like uh, truncated season was when uh, you guys were in uh, Queens and there was that epic six inning where you stole three bases and <laughs> the last base was uh, like stealing home. That was a little bit of an eventful one. Uh, can you kind of walk us through that? 
Yeah, you know, it's just the situation of the game um, kind of uh, showed to me that, you know, if, if there was an opportunity there, um, obviously getting on base there, walking was big because I think we had a two-run lead at the time. So um, anytime you're playing those games, and it was a uh, seven, I believe it was a doubleheader game, so it was a seven-inning game. So the sixth inning is essentially the eighth inning. And so um, just trying to tack on um, in the big leagues is such a big deal because every run is so important. Um, so obviously uh, getting the walk and then the next thought process was trying to get in scoring position, um, which is when I stole second and then saw an opportunity to take third. Uh, there was less than two outs. So I figured, you know, if I could get to third, we got Brian Anderson, one of our best hitters up that, you know, opens up a lot of other avenues for me to score. And, and then honestly, I just kind of in the moment, I've always wanted to do it, but never had been able to pull the trigger. And Obviously, I would have liked to uh, done it a little more gracefully. I think I would have been safe by a little bit wider margin, but I'm just glad I didn't fall on my face and I ended up being safe. So <laughs> I remember screaming at my TV when I saw um, you take off from third and then the, the throw back to home was like Aaron. It was like a, it was like bounced in front. I was like, oh, yeah. my God. But that just shows what <laughs> like, speed does to you. And like speed is just a, such an important factor in baseball. It messes up. It messes up pitchers with uh, timing and everything like that. Yeah, and it also helps having a manager like Don Manningly who understands the game and, and really allows us to be aggressive but but in a smart way. But he wants us to utilize our, our full assets and full abilities, and one of mine is, is speed and putting pressure on the defense. So he really encourages me to do that and in a smart way, obviously. And, um, you know, if the situation of the game was a little different, I probably wouldn't have taken that risk. But uh, given the situation in the game and where we were, um, I thought it was a good time to take a chance. Yes, I know uh, you mentioned you know, the seven inning doubleheaders. So I just had a question like, what's your opinion on all the new rule changes that baseball has experimented? So I guess the doubleheader, um, the universal DH, obviously in the National Leagues, so that would affect you. And also, how about the new playoff structure that, that they tried last year? I know it helped um, the Marlins actually get in the playoffs. So what's your opinion on, on all these rules? Yeah, I mean, uh, especially for the shortened season and, and even this season, I think a lot of it makes sense, um, especially the seven, seven inning doubleheaders. You know, we're still dealing with the pandemic. So um, keeping us at the field a little shorter period of time, um, I think definitely, definitely helps, um, universal DH, you know, obviously as of now, we're not going to have a DH, um, in the 2021 season, unless something changes. I mean, I would say before in the past, I probably was against the DH just because, um, the national league style of play and with my utility, um, abilities, um, kind of helps me, but to be honest, I thought the year went really smoothly last year in the sense of with the DH. So I wouldn't be opposed to it being, um, universally done, um, whether that ends up getting done this year or, uh, next year going into the, the next CBA, I'm not sure, but I'm definitely more open to it now than, than I was in the past. Um, trying to think of other rule changes. Um, I think right now the goal is to, I'm not a fan of trying to speed up the game to speed up the game. I, I love the game the way it is and I want it to, to continue to grow as it is. But obviously there are certain changes that make sense during a pandemic if they're trying to limit uh, the amount of exposure teams have against each other. So maybe, you know, saving ourselves an, an extra hour for, for the double headers or, or whatever it may be. You guys clinched a playoff spot in, in the Bronx. And I'm sorry, no, I got to bring this up. But uh, they beat the Yankees. And I remember, like, it, I mean, it was a great moment, right? The Marlins have made it for a long time. And, um, I mean, not not to be, like, sell the Marlins short or anything, but not a lot of people expected the Marlins to make it in a 162. So what was that feeling of, like, proving all, like, those people wrong, especially in um, the pandemic season where it might have been it might have been, it been uh, on paper easier to make it, but that's the, a lot of hoops you have to go through, and it could take a toll on you. So what was that like? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, obviously we had, unfortunately that outbreak, um, happen early in the year. And so for us to be able to stick together as a team, as a unit and to, to continue to grind and battle through that, um, the only thing, you know, people can kind of say what they want about 162 games, whether we would have made it or not, but the fact of the matter is everyone was playing with the same rules. You know what I mean? So we're all playing under the same rules, the same structure. So, um, that's how we looked at it. And that's how we, our approach was that entire year is, Hey, we're all on the same playing field. So why, why can't it be us that, that takes advantage of this situation and, and plays good baseball? And, um, obviously I, we believe we put ourselves on the map, but that is going to obviously make it a little more difficult moving forward is we're not going to be able to surprise teams anymore. Right. So we're going to have to continue to play sound baseball. We're gonna have to continue to play good fundamental baseball. And, um, we got a really good pitching staff too. So, um, that helps us stay in a lot of ball games and, and gives us every opportunity to win. So we're excited about the new opportunity. There's always going to be, you know, some doubters or haters that are going to say, you know, whatever they want, but, and that's, that's all good. We, we don't mind people they are entitled to their opinion, but we're going to go out there and, and work hard and, and try to reach the expectations we set for ourselves. Yeah. yeah I mean, sure. especially watching um, the Marlins a lot since I'm a Met fan, I watched like the NL East games a lot. You guys have a really young, talented team. And I think people, saw the Marlins short a lot and you, you a lot of people and I'm not saying I did this uh, I don't but a lot of people <laughs> compare the Marlins to like the Orioles the Tigers and like all those like like those like teams that are in rebuilding phase mm-hmm. I think the Marlins are like at least two steps ahead of all those other teams because they don't ha- they have a lot of talent that these other teams can't match I just I remember watching what was it Isan Diaz who when he hit that home mm-hmm. run off the Grom that was oh, crazy yeah. um yeah. you got um Sandel Alcantara the pitcher yeah. who's really good Sixto He's Sanchez yeah, sure. I mean all those really young talented players for sure. And obviously the NL East, it's, it's one of the best divisions in baseball. So, um, you know, we are also looking, looking forward to that challenge of, of knowing that it's going to be a a battle between everyone in that division. Every, every team in that division is capable of winning it. And so that's what makes it even more exciting for us to, to go out there and and compete. And it's going to be one of the better divisions in baseball, we believe, and we're excited to be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. So another kind of quirk of the past season was the fact that there were no fans in the stands, which I know is very weird, especially for Major League Baseball. So I just kind of ask you, how was that playing with no fans? And are you excited about the fact that there probably will be some more fans this coming season in baseball? Yeah, I mean, it definitely was an adjustment. I mean, they pipe in the crowd noise, which mm. which actually definitely helped because actually we were playing a game. Uh, I forget when it was exactly in the season, but we were playing the Mets uh, in Queens. And for whatever reason, for about a, a five-second period, even it felt like five minutes, though, the, the crowd noise uh, cut out for whatever reason. And it only lasted a few seconds, but the difference even there of having the crowd noise pumped in compared to it dead silent was just unbelievable. So we were grateful to have at least the crowd noise because then it at least kind of created a little bit of a buzz in the stadium that kind of was able to reenact it a little bit. Um, so it's definitely an adjustment, but we're super excited for the prospect of being able to get fans back in. And you can't really fully repl- replicate that and, um, you know, as happy as we were to, to make it to the playoffs and enjoy playing, um, playing in the playoffs, we, part of us, you know, the, the goal is to get there again so that we can have some fans in the stands this time and, and really enjoy and feed off that electricity because that's what it's all about. You know, that's what makes playing this game so much fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And another, um, quirk of the 2020 season was of course the expanded playoffs and, of course, you were in the playoffs. Um, you were in two rounds, actually. You, you mm-hmm. uh, swept the Cubs in a three-game series, and then you faced the um, really talented Atlanta Braves in Houston. So can you give us your take on just what was the experience playing like in the MLB playoffs? 
it was awesome. Uh, again, we, you know, wish there would have been able to be, you know, 60, 50, 60,000 people in the stands or whatever it would have been. And, um, and to be able to feed off that, but at the same time, you still knew you were in the major league baseball playoffs, you know, and you're have millions of people at home, especially at that time, um, you know, playing on national te television, we're the only sport really going on for a while. So you knew, um, you know, there was a lot of people watching at home and, and so then the adrenaline kicks up a little bit, which is, which is a lot of fun and, and forces you to kind of lock in a little more and focus in a little more and um, just really enjoyed it. It was, it was pretty special to, especially for, for myself and, and for a lot of those guys where um, it took me so long to get to the big leagues. And then, you know, if you were to tell me five years or three or four years ago, that not only would I be in the big leagues, but playing in a big league playoff game, it would have been obviously it was a dream come true. Absolutely. And I want to also touch on the Marlins have been um, a difference maker in the front office. Uh, of course, uh, Derek Jeter being the owner, I mean, one of the greats of all time mm -hmm. and the hiring of Kim Ang, the first ever female general manager. So I don't know if these things impact you that much because they're in like the um, upper management, but I wanted to ask, what is it like playing under Derek Jeter and Kim Ang? Uh, awesome. Awesome playing under uh, Derek Jeter last few years. And, um, you know, he's around from time to time. Um, and be able to pick his brain is, is awesome. And, and just, you can just feel when he walks into a room, you know, just the leadership he exudes and, and the presence he has um, is, is phenomenal. And then um, got to talk to Kim briefly. Um, just, I've been super impressed from what I've seen and in, in different interviews she's had. And uh, we're really excited as an organization to, to follow her lead um, and to, you know, make good decisions for us. And, and we're excited to play for her as well. Yeah, for sure. So just kind of to wrap things up, I know um, the 2021 season will be starting soon and a string, spring training has been starting this week. So just tell us kind of like what the vibe feels like. I know we're still dealing with COVID. Does it feel different than last year? Or kind of like what's the excitement or buzz about the upcoming season? I think the the excitement and the buzz um, definitely is, is still there. Um, anytime there's a new season, there's new opportunity and pitchers and catchers have reported and I've reported early um, with some of the other hitters. And so it's been nice to be down here and in Jupiter and um, kind of getting ready and uh, we're excited come next week when the rest of the position guys will be here and uh, we can start to kind of form our, our new team and, and new chemistry and, and look forward to the uh, healthy 2021 uh, season. Don, this has been a pleasure. You're always welcome back on our New York baseball podcast. Even though it was New York, you're more than welcome back on. Thanks <laughs> Appreciate so much for your it, time guys. today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me.